20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Welcome into an all-new episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Of course, you can follow the podcast at Pack-A-Day Podcast. Make sure to give those five-star reviews if you're listening on an audio podcast. Tell a friend about the show. And of course, if you have not checked out Pack-A-Day Podcast memberships yet, make sure to do that as well. Over on YouTube, four different tiers available, tons of perks, including a weekly members-only Q&A and a weekly members-only episode that is always commercial-free. You're going to love those perks, so make sure to check out Packaday Podcast YouTube memberships over on the YouTube channel. Let's jump into things right away, though, because it was a bit of a drama-filled day, and everyone on Twitter, of course, is in chaos and in panic mode. It's an interesting day because Jair Alexander was suspended for one day. I'm not going to go into it in super huge detail here. I did a whole episode on it already. You can check it out wherever you get the audio podcasts or right here on YouTube if you're listening on YouTube. So that's out there. I did like a 17-minute episode on it already. Just want to update a couple things though since I did do that emergency podcast. He, of course, was suspended one game. And I actually, the, one of the things I wanted to know from just a public perception standpoint, when I pulled Packer fans on Twitter saying, should Jair have been suspended? Last I checked, it was around 73% that said yes. So while there's been this sort of angst and frustration, and I think everyone immediately pointed to, what about Joe Barry? It does seem like the general perception has been, all right, this is probably the right move to make based on Jair's you know, decisions that he made and kind of putting Green Bay in this position in the first place. Now, when Matt LaFleur was asked about it, at first he was willing to answer some questions. One of the things that he said, and I think one of the biggest takeaways from this entire thing, is he said, quote, it's never one thing. And what that should lead you to believe, and he, I should add here that he also pointed out that this had nothing to do with the injury situation. He said he had a well-documented injury that he was fighting to come back from, that this had nothing to do with the injury. But he did say that this is never just one thing. And to me, what that means is this was an accumulation of stuff that had gone on with Jair, whether that's just off the field, whether that's on the field. The one thing we know is that the coin toss situation, or not even the coin toss situation, making himself a captain situation was a key part of this. But as Matt said, it's never just one thing. He went on to do a lot of sort of coach talk. It's a tough decision. Um, they said, or Matt specifically said, he thinks that Jaw's going to be here for a long time. He said that he thinks everyone's going to be better for it. Everyone's going to learn from it. And again, kind of had those, those general comments. That has to be the hope. All right. As he said, there's always going to be something, you know, adversity that comes up. It's how you respond to it. This is a big moment for Green Bay and Jair and, and Matt LaFleur as well. How this locker room responds and how Green Bay plays this week is a big indicator of, all right, was this the right decision? Are the are the rest of the players understanding of this? Can they still focus on the goal at hand, which is trying to beat the Vikings and trying to make the playoffs? If Green Bay comes out and craps the bed in this game and looks nothing like themselves, all right, you probably have a bigger problem here. And I'm not saying it's all just one game. I'm not saying it's, it's so hard to tell. It's so hard to tell if, you know, what the feel in that locker room is. I know everyone wants to jump to conclusions and say, hey, everything's going to crap. Nobody believes in Joe Barry. Nobody believes in Matt LaFleur. Everyone needs to get fired. I think we need to pump the brakes just a little bit. I know we've got the Devondre Campbell situation. 
totally understand it, uh, that that is one thing that happened just a week ago. There's smoke there. We've heard rumblings of Jair stuff. There's smoke there. We get a Jair Alexander suspension. There's smoke there. And usually when there's that much smoke, there's probably some fire. We don't know, though, if this is two players who are frustrated and upset, and that's kind of it. Is there more to it? We just don't know at this point. What I will say is that over the course of the season, the team is still, I would say, like at or above expectations going into the year. They have two games left. The offense has been sort of clicking on all cylinders and definitely trending in the right direction. I don't know. It's it's very tough to say if this is a small snowball that's just sort of starting to roll and Green Bay's doing everything they can to sort of stop any momentum and just kind of cut it off and say, let's learn from this and let's get better. Or if this is a snowball that's been accumulating from some time and it's halfway down the mountain and we're about to see an avalanche. I just don't know where we're at. My gut tells me that there's probably a bit more to it than this, but I don't think it's anything catastrophic as of yet. My gut tells me that they're probably going to go out and play a good game against Minnesota this week. We'll see if they win or lose. I think even if they go out and play a good brand of football, doesn't necessarily mean they get the win in Minnesota, but I expect a competitive game one way or the other. And I don't think that this is something that Matt LaFleur and this team can't come back from. I do think it signals that Matt probably has to change some things up, that they probably have to start holding some people, including the coaches, more accountable for their actions and how they kind of perform their jobs on a day-to-day, week-to-week, year-to-year basis. And it's just going to probably have to be observed over the course of the next few months. There's a lot that goes into this, and we don't have all the details. We don't know what's going on every single day at 1265. Like I said, we don't know if this is just a couple of one-off incidents or if this is a symptom of a much bigger problem within the organization. And unfortunately, only time is going to tell that. And I know that is maybe boring and lame and whatever. I know everyone wants the immediate hot take of Matt LaFleur is the worst, fire him. And Joe, like, I I understand the, the want for immediate gratification when something goes wrong and an immediate response when something goes wrong. Jair got suspended. That something went wrong and there was a action for it. Now we have to just sort of see how everything else plays out. Like I said, Joe Barry and his evaluation and his whatever you want to call it, comeuppance or, you know, being held accountable, that's coming. It's going to come in two to three weeks in all likelihood. I, I don't see any scenario or circumstance where this defense doesn't get torched and it's going to start out fresh with a new mindset, new coaches, new scheme, new coordinator, new mentality, a bunch of new players. They're going to have to do a pretty hard reset on the entire defensive side of the ball. And that's probably for the best. And one of the things that I will say about this, because when we're looking at sort of all of this drama that has kind of gone on, you've got you've got the Devondre Campbell thing, Razul Douglas was traded away. You've got all of these different things that have sort of happened. Of course, the Jair Alexander situation. But what have we sort of noticed about all of this? It's all on one side of the ball. And you also have this situation where the defense is also completely playing like crap. It's all in one space. It's all isolated to the defense. And I am sure that there is a butt ton of frustration on that entire side of the ball. They suck. They absolutely suck. They're terrible. As a, as a group, as a team, as a, the scheme sucks, the players aren't good enough, the, green, the front office has not done a good enough job of evaluating talent. They're put, they're, like I said the other day, it's whack-a-mole. 
You want to stop the run? Great. You're going to give up. Every quarterback is going to be Joe Montana. Oh, you want to stop the pass? Great. Every running back is going to be Barry Sanders. Pick your poison. And they're, they just, they're terrible. And I'm sure the players are frustrated. The assistant coaches are frustrated. The coordinators and the coach, all of it, because they are terrible. And when you have a subset of your football team that's not good at the sport of football, there's going to be a lot of animosity and frustration, especially when you see uh, the other side of the ball who is younger, who is far less paid, who where far less resources are put into that side of the ball are doing much, much better than you're doing. Yeah, that's, that's probably not going to feel great. So th- there's no question about it that this has been hopefully isolated to the defense. Hopefully it stays isolated to the defense and hopefully Brian and Matt and everyone can go through with a fine tooth comb in the off season and get out all of the, like just the garbage. You got to take out the trash. And I don't mean that as like their personalities or who they are as people, but there needs to be a massive churning of the things that are not going right on defense. And like I said, that is not just one thing. That is personalities. That is leadership. That is coaching. That is scheme. That is mentality. That is all of it. It all needs to be nuked. It all needs to be brought back up. And they're going to have to find the right person, the right defensive mind with the right mentality to do that. So there's a lot going on here. And this is a interesting point in the Matt LaFleur era and how this all sort of goes from here. Like I said, my gut tells me they're going to bounce back from this. I don't think that this is the, you know, just a, another symptom of some major, major problem that's going on with the team. I think they're going to compete this Sunday, keep trying to hope their, or keep their playoff hopes alive, and then kind of move on and, and hopefully put this behind them. Jair comes back next week. We'll see what happens with Devondre Campbell. And maybe they can stumble upon something in these next couple of weeks that gets them started in the right direction defensively. And then, you know, like I said, change that over in the offseason. And if not, then you're going to look at a very interesting 2024. And those will all be things that we're going to be able to evaluate over the course of time. I said, I know everyone wants that immediate response right now, but this is going to be something that we just have to sort of watch and evaluate. You never want to see these sort of drama-filled moments when you're watching your team and, and covering the team or whatever. You just want to focus on football. But right now it's not that. There's a lot going on and we're just going to have to kind of take it one step at a time. The one other thing I will say about this from a, a Packers standpoint is the, the whole Matt LaFleur interaction in the press conference where he answers some questions about Jair and then says, I want to talk about the Vikings. And he's probed a little bit more and you know tells Bill Huber, is this about the Vikings? And kind of jokingly says it. I, I, like, I hate that. And, the, and like I said, I, I like Matt as a coach. I really do. I think he's a good head coach. I know people will disagree with that. I, I still have a lot of faith that he's going to get this thing going in the right direction. I hate that, like, just we're not going to talk about it sort of thing. I'm sure he would have loved to have talked about the Minnesota Vikings, but this was his first media availability since the last game. And since that time, in fact, directly during like hours before that this press conference, Jair Alexander was suspended by the team. Your star player, your high paid defender, all of it was suspended for a game by the team. You had to know what questions were coming and you had to be sort of ready to answer those questions. If you did not want to answer those questions and you wanted to focus on the Minnesota Vikings, you could have come out and said, listen, Brian and I made this decision together 
and Brian will be holding a press conference later to answer all the questions about Jair Alexander. We were in agreement. We had, and then used the same statement that he used over and over. We think everyone's going to be better from this. We're excited to have job back next week. We had a great conversation, all of that. And Brian will answer all of your questions about this in a different press conference. This press conference is going to be about the Minnesota Vikings and our upcoming opponent and so on and so forth. But you have to have somebody that is also answering the questions as to why this happened. Those are fair questions to ask and fans want to know. And that's why the media is asking those questions. So I, I don't like the dismissive of like, let's talk about the Vikings. Like this is a pretty major thing that happened within your organization and any questions about it are completely fair. And the other thing is, I don't think anyone asked like any sort of unfair question of Matt about the entire process. I don't think anyone was like over the top of like, anything. It was just, they were fairly basic questions. And I think if you just are forthright about it and honest about it and just kind of say, Hey, this is what it is. Even if you have to keep saying the same coaching points, it's still better than being like, we'll talk about the Minnesota Vikings now. I don't know. It's, it's minor. I don't really, it's not that big of a deal, but I just, I wish that they would be a little bit more transparent. It's the wrong word. Cause they don't need to go. They don't need to air the dirty laundry in front of everyone. I get that. But I think there's a way to do that with, with being a little bit more forthright about things while not also airing out dirty laundry to everyone at the exact same time. All right. Other news on the day, practice report. These were your did not practice from Wednesday's practice. Devondre Campbell, Elton Jenkins, Christian Watson, and Dontavian Wicks. Uh, like this has been pretty standard for Elton Jenkins where he gets some time off and then he usually practices later in the week and then ends up playing. Hopefully that's still the case. Devondre, who, who knows what's going to happen with that at this point. Uh, Matt LaFleur said he's day-to-day. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Christian Watson and Dontavian Wicks, the two big ones to watch here. Meanwhile, limited players included A.J. Dillon, Kingsley Nigbare, Aaron Jones, Luke Musgrave, which is a great sign that he's back practicing. Jonathan Owens, Jaden Reed, same thing there. Robert Rochelle, Darnell Savage, back practicing. TJ Slayton and Quay Walker. So a ton of guys that are limited, and we're just going to have to watch how they progress through the course of the week. Two interesting players that practiced in full, Luke Tenuta, who's been on IR all season, and Emmanuel Wilson, who's on IR as well. That makes for interesting decisions because if both are full go and completely healthy, you have the ability to activate them, but you need roster spots available. Now, the Jair suspension did open a spot that does open a spot for this week that could be Luke Musgrave, who they give that roster spot to. Could be somebody like a Bo Melton if Musgrave's not able to go. Maybe it's Tenuta or Emmanuel Wilson. Those are going to be interesting decisions, and Green Bay might have to release some players if they, in fact, want a Luke Tenuta, an Emmanuel Wilson, and a Luke Musgrave on the roster if all three are ready to play. Now, they don't have to elevate Tenuta or Wilson, but it'll be interesting, especially if they practice in full, what direction Green Bay wants to go if that is, in fact, the scenario for this week. All right. That brings us to our main topic for today, and that is potential defensive coordinator candidates should Green Bay decide to move on in the offseason, which feels to me like a foregone conclusion, but who knows? Nothing would surprise me or shock me at this point. This has been a crazy... When I said that this would be a roller coaster year all through the offseason, no way, shape, or form did I believe that it was going to be this much of a roller coaster. It has been wild. I, I never would have expected in a million years if you told me this is going to be a seven and eight football team through 15 games, a game below 500, and Jordan Love has played extremely well, is progressing to be the guy and is likely going to get the franchise quarterback and, and be the, you know, get a big contract in the offseason. 
and they're two games out of the, or like they're, if they win their next two games, they're a 95% chance to make the playoffs. If you would have told me all of those things, I would have been like, man, it sounds like things are going at least at minimum as planned, if not ahead of schedule. Like this, that, that's, it sounds like a good season for Green Bay. If you would have told me that in the offseason, never would I have imagined this much drama going on in a season that, if you look at it out on the whole, there's a lot to celebrate, at least above expectation going into the year. Now, these last two games will have a lot to go into that as well, but it's all been very, very crazy. But I digress. New defensive coordinator candidates. Let's jump into this right away. These are obviously not going to be extreme deep dives. There are 20 candidates that I want to go over there. I'm going to go over them relatively quick, but I think that this list makes a ton of sense for where Matt LaFleur could look at if and when Joe Barry does eventually move on and Green Bay decides to fill that spot with a new defensive coordinator. When you have a 365 day a year podcast, you need to have the energy and the health to be able to provide that content every single day of the year. When I'm not feeling the best, whether that be due to illness, gut health, or low energy, it's hard to focus and it's hard to be efficient with my work. Everything is just slower and everything becomes such a grind. That's why I started drinking AG1 daily. When I started drinking AG1, I could legitimately feel a difference in my energy, and I noticed I was becoming sick far less often. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutritional supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. I recommend AG1 to all my family and friends because AG1 has a team of doctors and scientists and because it is formulated based on the latest science while maintaining their high quality standards. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash packaday. That's drinkag1.com slash packaday. Check it out. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. This year, our family had a few different ways that we did gifts for the holidays. We did some traditional presents, we donated to a variety of charities, and we planned a fun trip for the entire family. Of course, I may have snuck a gift for myself in there during the process as well, but whether or not your family gives gifts during the holidays, you still get to define how you give to yourself. A great way to do that is by giving yourself the gift of therapy. Therapy is powerful. It works and strives to make us the best versions of ourselves and work out the kinks of the everyday daily grind that can continue to beat us down. And during the holiday season, it's really easy to become unaligned with all the regular daily stress, plus the rigors and anxiety that come with the holiday season. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. My favorite part about BetterHelp is that it's entirely online, which makes things so incredibly convenient, and that it's flexible and can be suited to your own unique schedule. In this season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash packaday to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash packaday. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet, do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. 
I've had so much fun making prize picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Three names that are not happening, so get them out of your mind. Number one, Bill Belichick. He is not leaving New England to come to Green Bay, Wisconsin to be a defensive coordinator under Matt LaFleur. That's not happening. So rule that one out. Robert Sala. The Jets have basically, it's already been reported. Sala is going to be back next year, as is the GM. That is an Aaron Rodgers decision, it seems like at this point. They're going to run that thing back. Good luck, New York Jets. But Robert Sala is not going to be a coordinator candidate because he is going to be the head coach of the New York Jets next year. And the other one is Mike Tomlin. I still expect him to be in Pittsburgh. If he is not in Pittsburgh, he will be a head coach of another team unless he wants to take the year off, but he is not stepping down again and going to Green Bay and being a defensive coordinator. That's just not going to happen. So three names to get out of your mind, Bill Belichick, Robert Sala, and Mike Tomlin. And that leaves us with our list of 20. Like I said, I'm going to go through these pretty rapid fire. Number one is Jim Leonard, senior football analyst currently for the University of Illinois, played in the NFL from 2005 to 2014, was the Badgers defensive coordinator and of course became their interim head coach as well. He interviewed previously for the position and by all reports was offered the job. He did not take it. Is there any issue there? Is Matt upset that Jim didn't take it? Is Jim still not interested in the job? Those are tough things to say, but I would expect that like if they wanted to go back in that direction, that those two guys could have conversations again and say, hey, if you're Matt LaFleur, you were interested in him before you offered him the job. He declined. You went with Joe Barry. That didn't go great for Jim Leonard. He went back to Wisconsin. That didn't go great. Hey, maybe let's link up again and maybe we get it right this time and figure it out. And he ends up being the defensive coordinator in Green Bay. Does he have a Mike Patton influence? Yes, he does. But that doesn't mean he's apples to apples with Mike Patton. He uses an analytical approach. He's a very bright defensive mind. Things went swimmingly uh, with the the you know Badgers when he was their defensive coordinator. Um, he has a very aggressive defense. Like I think he would be a pretty good fit with a new Packers defense. And while he has a Mike Pettin influence, he also played under Rex Ryan and that attacking style of defense, which is pretty in vogue right now in the NFL. Um, I think he's going to bring some of that to the the table as well. So that is not, and these are not in order, by the way. That's number one. Number two, uh, Ejiro Evero, current Panthers defensive coordinator. We don't know if he's going to be available. He is under contract, but they uh, canned the head coach. If they bring in a new head coach, they could just let everyone go, or they could bring in a new head coach and say, hey, we really want Evero to stay as defensive coordinator, sort of like Pettin did when Matt LaFleur took over. So there's no guarantee that he's going to be on the open market. You also have to remember the last time he interviewed in Green Bay, he got turned down for Jim Leonard and eventually Joe Barry. So he got turned down two different times. Does is there any issue there? Matt Lafleur has spoken, incre- you know, incredibly glowingly about Evero. It's a very similar scheme to what Joe Barry is running in Green Bay, but he's had much better success with it in his last two defensive coordinator stints. You would think if Matt LaFleur wanted to stay with a similar type of scheme, and Matt LaFleur has said this is the type of scheme he wants to run, 
taking a look at somebody like Evero would make a ton of sense. Like I said, Matt LaFleur has been very complimentary of him and that, and he is thought of as a potential future head coach candidate as well. That could be another fit in Green Bay. Number three, Mike Zimmer, not currently associated with any team, had a cup of coffee with Jackson State with Deion Sanders, was the Vikings head coach, of course, 2014 to 2021. Prior to that, he was the Bengals defensive coordinator from 2008 to 2013, and also was the Falcons defensive coordinator in 2007. Aggressive, double A gap blitzes, a ton of experience, knows the division super well. Would really feel weird having Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer as the defensive coordinator in Green Bay, but I think there's actually a decent amount to like about that hire. I know a lot of people have been interested in Mike Zimmer coming to Green Bay in the past. It could be a good fit. I think that experience and just kind of that no BS mentality on that side of the ball might be exactly what Green Bay needs. And again, I think he runs a defense that could work pretty well in the NFL right now. That time off, I'm sure served him well to kind of review what's going on through the course of the league. And sometimes you get a little bit more energized after having some of that time off. Mike Zimmer, another potential possibility. Number four, one that I know a lot of people aren't super fond of, Brandon Staley, former head coach of the Chargers, defensive coordinator with the Rams before that. Now, he did have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey when he was the defensive coordinator, and that's when things went well. He moves to the Chargers, and his defense was atrocious. He's extremely, extremely analytically driven. Lots of people in the league still think very highly of him as a defensive mind, and he runs that Fangio, Joe Barry type of scheme. So again, if Matt LaFleur is still interested in that sort of scheme, he absolutely could be on the short list of candidates as well. Number five, Dennis Allen, Saints head coach was the Broncos defensive coordinator in 2011, Raiders head coach from 2012 to 2014, Saints defensive coordinator from 2015 to 2021, and then the Saints head coach from 2022 to current. Now, in order for him to be available, he would have to get fired in New Orleans. There's not anything to say currently that that is going to happen. It's not out of the realm of possibility, but that's the first box that needs to be checked is, is he available? Saints defense hasn't been quite as good this year, but they're not exactly stacked with talent anymore either. I do think Dennis Allen could benefit from being a defensive coordinator again instead of a head coach. I think he might be one of those that's a great defensive coordinator or a great coordinator, but maybe not quite set to be a head coach in the NFL. Has a very aggressive approach and again is highly thought of as a defensive mind in the league. Number six, Matt Eberflus, Bears head coach. My gut tells me that he is back in Chicago next year, especially the way that his defense is finished. Not a guarantee. Chicago is usually not in the business of firing head coaches that are under contract. And I think Eberflus has probably done a good enough job to keep his, his position. If not, and they go in a different direction, then that absolutely could be a direction that Green Bay looks to. Colts defensive coordinator from 2018 to 2021. Since the Bears have gotten Montez Sweat, they have been outstanding. Their defense looks completely different. He's been um, really like a force multiplier for them. And like I said, that defense looks astounding right now. Uh, I do think he's familiar again with the NFC North coming directly from Chicago as their head coach. He has a great focus on technique, usually runs more of a 4-3 type of front, but um, we will see if, you know, if, if he would come to Green Bay, if they would change things up, or if he would just run something different. Uh, but that is another option if he becomes available. Number seven, Antonio Pierce, Raiders interim head coach. Will the Raiders hire him full-time? 
If they do, that's out of the question. But if not, it seems like that would be a no-brainer. This would be a very similar experience to Rich Basaccia, who became the Raiders interim head coach. They decided to go in a different direction. Basaccia became a free agent and Green Bay hired him to revamp the special teams. Could that be a similar situation with Antonio Pierce? Becomes the Raiders interim head coach. Raiders decide not to move forward. He becomes a free agent and the Packers bring him in to revamp the entire Packers defense. I love his attitude. I love his mindset. There's been a complete dynamic change in, you know, with uh, Vegas ever since he took over. Players seem to respond to his coaching incredibly well. And I think personally that that would be a brilliant hire for Green Bay if he became available. Number eight, Gerard Mayo, uh, Patriots inside linebackers coach. Could be a similar sort of experience to the Antonio Pierce experience where former inside linebacker, coach linebackers, you know, became much more involved. This is also somebody who's thought of as a defensive coordinator candidate, very familiar with Bill Belichick's scheme and defense, an emphasis on attacking and physicality. And I would expect him to be somebody that instantly gains respect and admiration and buy-in from the players. That's the type of mentality that I think Green Bay could use and definitely would have to be on their list of candidates if they go in that direction. Number nine, Al Harris, Cowboys defensive backs coach, of course, former Packers defensive back. He's done a phenomenal job with the Dallas defensive backs. He's, you know, the big question here is, is he comfortable building a playbook, building a scheme, calling plays? Those are all things that you'd have to vet out a little bit. He's a wonderful technique sort of coach. And I think bringing him in would instantly help this Packers defensive backfield, but you're bringing him him in to set the tone, which I love, but also to set up a scheme. And I think that's what you'd have to vet out with Al Harris in an interview is like, is he that type of coach? And does he even want to be that type of coach? Or just, he just want to be the best defensive backs coach in the NFL. I'm assuming he'd love to promote, but you never quite know. Uh, Again, great focus on technique. I definitely think he'd be worth an interview one way or the other. And I do think he could help reshape the Packers secondary moving forward. Number 10, an interesting one, Rex Ryan, current ESPN personality. Doesn't quite seem like the Packers type and he's been known to put his uh, foot in his mouth from time to time. He hasn't coached since 2016 when he was the Bills head coach. He has a very aggressive, very attacking style of defense. And I do think that is a style that teams are more willing to move to. That seems to be the next change in, you know, uh, attacking style on defense. He does tend to be somebody who wears out his welcome relatively quick. He would absolutely change the mentality on defense. And like I said, that defense seems to be something that more and more people are kind of going to with a, a much more physical blitzing attacking type of style. Rex Ryan knows how to do that. And it would be an interesting mix with him and Matt LaFleur to say the least. All right. Marquand Manuel, Jets safeties coach is number 11, former Packers safety, been coaching since 2012. He's been a rising name on the coaching scene, expected to potentially even get head coaching candidate uh, interviews one day. Jets were phenomenal on defense this year. So that's a plus. Comes highly recommended and could come highly recommended from one of Matt LaFleur's best friends, which is Robert Sala. So he could get a glowing review. And I'm sure if that was the case, Matt would probably want to interview him. And again, like Al Harris, I think he could help rebuild the secondary that is sorely in need of it moving forward. Number 12, Jesse Minter, Michigan defensive coordinator. A big question as to what happens at Michigan with Jim Harbaugh. Is he back? If not, Mike, you know, Jesse Minter probably just becomes the head coach there. But my expectation is I think Harbaugh is just going to be back at Michigan. 
He's had an extremely successful defense at Michigan. There's always some risk when going from college to the pros. He was a Ravens defensive backs coach in 2020, so he does have a little bit of NFL experience, but you are taking a little bit of a gamble going to the college route, knowing that he was super successful in college, but not having a ton of NFL experience. Number 13, Wink Martindale, Giants defensive coordinator, was the Broncos defensive coordinator in 2010, Ravens defensive coordinator from 2018 to 2021, and the Giants defensive coordinator from 2022 to current. The big question here is, will he be available? If the Giants fire Brian Dable, my guess is they bring in an entirely new staff and Martindale is free to go elsewhere. That though, like I said, that's not always the case. They could bring in a new head coach and they could keep Martindale. The other thing is there have been some reports that Brian Dable and Wink Martindale have not been on the same page. If they do decide to keep Brian Dable, maybe they, it's not probably a termination, but maybe just uh, deciding to each go in their own different directions. And maybe Martindale gets out of his contract and has the opportunity to go be a defensive coordinator for somebody else. And if that's the case, he would be a home run hire with an extremely aggressive defensive approach, tons of experience, and a coordinator that's known for making more out of the sum of its parts and really teaching a team defense. That would be, like I said, a phenomenal hire for Green Bay. Number 14 is Chris Hewitt, Ravens secondary coach and passing game coordinator. This Ravens defense is very popular at the moment. He, again, is the passing game coordinator on that very popular Ravens defense, getting a ton of like high-end play out of the safeties. Now, obviously when you've got Kyle Hamilton and Marcus Williams and those sort of guys, but even Geno Stone is coming to his own this year. Um, He played with the Saints from 97 to 99. He's been a Ravens coach since 2012, so he's been around for a hot second. Uh, I do think you'd have to, again, vet his play calling, the playbook, everything like that, but he is a top defensive assistant on a top defensive staff and could be, if if Green Bay wants something new and fresh, um, somebody that they look to for that spot. Chris Harris, not the uh, shorter uh, corner who I recently had on the podcast, uh, I think in the past year, but uh, this is a former uh, NFL defensive back, played in the NFL for seven seasons, Titans cornerback coach and passing game coordinator currently, coaching since 2013, has influences from Mike Vrabel and John Fox. Titans defense has been a little bit middle of the road. He has had interviewed for defensive coordinator jobs with the Texans and the 49ers in the past. Did not get those positions, obviously, but he has been somebody that's been on that scene. Green Bay would have to look at him. Uh, I, I think if this position did come available, you know, I don't know it's the you know sexiest hire in the world, but I do think he's a good coach. He was somebody um, in the past that I looked at. He had some time with uh, Washington in the past, and I, I think he's a good coach. How good of a coordinator he would be probably a, a little bit something that's tougher to answer and you'd probably want to uh, really vet out in the interview process. Number 16, Aubrey Pleasant, Rams defensive uh, back coach and passing game coordinator. He was a Packers offensive coaching consultant in 2022, just last year. He was the Lions defensive backs coach and passing game coordinator in 2021 and 2022. He was fired mid-season, never a great sign. Does have that Packers connection and Matt LaFleur connection there. Probably not the most inspiring hire, but with that Packers connection, his defensive background currently with the Rams, passing game coordinator could be somebody that is on Green Bay's radar. Number 17, Anthony Weaver, associate head coach and defensive line coach for the Baltimore Ravens, was the Texans defensive coordinator in 2020, coaching in the NFL since 2012. He has that Ravens defensive scheme that I said is very popular at the moment, coached under both Rex Ryan and Wink Martindale. So has both of those influences, and I would expect him to use a very attacking style of defense as well. 
Number 18, Leslie Frazier, currently unemployed, was the Bills defensive coordinator from 2017 to 2022. Of course, the former Minnesota Vikings head coach as well. The Bills did not retain Frazier going into 2023. He said he wants to return to coaching in 2024. He's got influences like Marvin Lewis, Tony Dungy, and Sean McDermott on his resume. He has a lot of zone and cover two influences in his background. I'm sure he's evolved um, since that as well. And we'd have to kind of take a look at what type of defense he wants to run in 2024. But I think this is another coach who could probably be rejuvenated with a season off. And as I mentioned, is looking to coach again in 2024. Number 19, Patrick Graham, Ravens, uh, excuse me, Raiders defensive coordinator, was a Packers linebackers coach and run game coordinator back in 2018, a Dolphins defensive coordinator in 2019, Giants defensive coordinator in 2020 and 2021, and the Raiders defensive coordinator from 2022 to present, coached under Brian Flores in Miami in 2019 and was their defensive coordinator under Brian Flores. So you kind of get this really interesting mix where he's got a lot of experience. Um, He has that Brian Flores influence or Brian Flores is tearing it up in Minnesota right now. And he has experience working in the Packers organization in the past. That's an interesting one. I've been a fan of of Patrick Graham's in the past as a defensive coordinator. Um, Green Bay's interest there will, you know, TBD. And also here, he has to become available as well. If Antonio Pierce stays as the Raiders head coach and they just want to keep him as defensive coordinator, it's much ado about nothing and he's not going to be available. But if the Raiders nuke their staff and just come completely fresh, that could be somebody that comes available that Green Bay could have interest in. And number 20, last but not least, Dave Aranda, head coach Baylor, 23 and 24 record with Baylor. It hasn't worked out. Probably going to be tough to convince him to leave Baylor as a head coach to take a Packers defensive coordinator job. That's a tough sell, but it hasn't gone great in Baylor and he could recognize that, hey, this isn't going great. My time is probably limited and maybe it makes more sense to get uh, some exposure in the NFL. He's been a defensive coordinator at Hawaii, Utah State, Wisconsin, and LSU. He has never played or coached in the NFL as far as I can tell. That is definitely... Uh, something that would have to be looked at with a fine-tooth comb because you usually want some level of NFL ex- you know, experience as a, a coach. He doesn't have that. He's extremely bright and analytical, had a second-rated defense at the University of Wisconsin when he was there, fifth-rated defense when he was with LSU in 2016. Um, we'll see. Again, his availability is probably a big question mark. And again, if, if Green Bay would even be interested with no NFL experience is another question mark. He is a name that I think would be thought of very highly. I'd be intrigued by Dave Aranda, but there's probably a few too many questions there and not sure that that would ultimately be the direction they go in, but a name I think you definitely have to add to this list as well. So no no real major candidate preference at this point, if I'm being honest. We'll get there eventually. We'll go into much deeper dives on some of these candidates as I'm sure some of, you know, some of them get interviews with the team and we'll narrow it down as time goes on. But my list of 20 defensive coordinators to keep an eye on, Jim Leonard, Ajiro Evero, Mike Zimmer, Brandon Staley, Dennis Allen, Matt Eberflus, Antonio Pierce, Gerard Mayo, Al Harris, Rex Ryan, Marquad Manuel, Jesse Minter, Wink Martindale, Chris Hewitt, Chris Harris, Aubrey Pleasant, Anthony Weaver, Leslie Frazier, Patrick Graham, Dave Aranda. Give me any of those 20 and I definitely feel better than I feel where Green Bay is at right now with their defensive coordinator. But just remember, 
Green Bay does still need to actually make that move and decide to go in another direction. Friends, that's going to do it for me today. Shout out to our Hall of Fame and All-Pro members, Most Hated Minnesotan, PJ Wayne, John Wild, Shebra Dad, Arnaldo Espinosa, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Lori Lord, Donald Lee, Baby QB, and MB1023. I will see you guys right back here tomorrow, but until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go!